glad we're awake. That's great, but who are the chefs? That's probably one of my favorite Snickers commercials of all time. That's great, but who are the chefs? Great googly moogly. I have another favorite commercial. Maybe you've seen the Holiday Inn commercial. It's, it's been several years since it's been on, but a lady, a lady commits this. It's an older lady. She commits a crime, and she comes downstairs, and she jumps in the cab, and uh, she, says, she says, think about it, Matlock, something. Anyway, she's trying to solve a mystery, but this, this commercial stuck out to me today because I was preparing for the sermon, and I thought, man, it's going to be it's going to be probably less than perfect weather outside. Maybe we just need to laugh a little bit, just just a little. Have you been there? Have you been that have you been that guy? Carefully, painstakingly taking your time, detail oriented, doing it, doing it, doing it, and you step back to see the final picture. Ugh. Who are the chefs? This morning is a is a is a really cool time in connection. Because this morning we we're going to do something that we do on the fourth Sunday of the month. And my people are going to, the people that are, my people, the people that are going to come for, my people, my people are going to come forward in a little bit. They're going to take an offering. They're going to have popcorn sacks. Now, if you do not go to Connection regularly, this offering is not for you. We want you to see what Connection is doing in our community. If you're from another church, maybe it's something that you can take back because we're all on the same team. I talked to a person this week. They went to a different, they go to a different church than I do. And they made, they made, a, they made not, not an argument, but they may not have been all four things that we do. And I said, here's the deal. I said, the same jersey that's on your back is the same one on my back, and the same God in the universe is the same one that we both praise. We're on the same team. We're on the same team. There's some shallow water and deep, deep water conversations that we can have about the way that we believe, the way that we interpret the Bible, but here's the deal. God says, it's called connection to be different. Okay, if you've, if you've taken that... Journey with connection, we are going to be different. But this morning, we're going to, if you have your, if your worship handout, if you want to take a little bit of time this morning to check out this, but this is our worship handout. Somebody probably handed you one when you walked in the door, or you stole it from behind their back, so, you know, we have some of those sneakers sneaking in. But if you, if you turn to the middle page, it talks about the sermon, and now at the very top it says, touch someone's life gift. You can read about that. If, this, if you're not a person from Connection, this is not for you. This is an offering we take every fourth Sunday of the month. Listen, we ask our people for nickels, for dimes, for dollars, that's it. Okay, and we've been, we've been blessed to give over $11,000 in this offering over the last couple of years. It's just incredible. Um, so, in a second... The people are going to come forward and they're going to, they're just going to pass a popcorn bag. Believe me, please, just, just trust me. If you're not from Connection, this offering is not for you to give to. However, if you're here among us today and you say, Matt, you know what? This cold weather has caused me to turn my heater on. And you've tried to have been as godly as you can with your finances and sometimes it's just not there. I understand. I know what it's like to look at the checkbook and go, ooh, that's just not there. If that bag passes you by, I want, I want you to be very honest and it's going to be very hard for you to do. But if that bag passes you by and say you need 10 bucks to make a, to make a payment... The lead team of this church and I together have decided we don't want this money in our hands. It's God's money. Okay? If that bag passes you by and you need 10 bucks, you take it out of there. Now the person beside you may feel a little bit weird. Listen, it's not about what they think. It's about what God is using this money to do. It's to help people. Okay? So if those guys, would, guys and girls would come forward to take the offering this morning, as, as it passes by you, just if you, if you want to give, give, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue. This, this offering, if you open your worship handout all the way to the middle, all the way to the middle, in the middle section, please not now, I'm preaching, okay? 
but that will give you a little bit of an impact of what our Touch Someone's Life gift has done. If you've had the opportunity, in a, in a little while after the sermon's over, they're going to they're gonna bring the money back in, they're going to tell me how much is in it. If it's over a certain amount, they'll split it up into a couple or three bags, we'll give it away to people, I'll give them little slips of paper, and their job is to do this. I know this is wild, this is crazy, this is not what the world thinks to do with money, but we're going to go out into this community, two or three of us, one of us, whatever it comes to, and we're just going to give that money away. I talked to you about this. About this. I, work at a, I work at a school and they have water vending machines. And they had this really cool stuff in there. It's called grape water. And it's just like a little grape stir in, but it's, the water's still clear, but it's really, really, really good. And one day, I got in my pocket and I go, oh, sweet. All right, got a dollar. The water cost $1.25. Now listen, I pulled out of my dollar and I said, wait a minute. I don't have a quarter. See, 25 cents to someone that is in need is going to make a difference. Okay, God is not looking for us to, you know, somebody say, hey, okay, we're just going to give this huge chunk of money and we're just going to give it away. Listen, God, God is desiring for us to give our change, our dollars, and we do this in order to do this. We teach our people that you can do this in your ordinary life. It doesn't take $100. It can be five. It can be a dollar. You can buy a senior coffee at Hardy's, which I've done before. They're 49 cents. I believe that's right. It's what she charged me anyway. 64 cents, something like that. 75. It's 75. <laughs> Inflation. Inflation. You know, I hope that you're here this morning, and I hope that, I hope that you, you feel like you're home. If you haven't been in church in a long time, if you're not a member of Connection, if you're not a regular to Connection, welcome home. No, this may not be your, your permanent home, but temporarily this morning, welcome home. We're going to dive into a subject today out of the book of Colossians in the New Testament that Paul writes, and we're going to talk about a topic. I know some of you have already checked out this topic, and you think, Matt, you're absolutely insane. There's no way this is possible. But we're going to talk about that there actually is, there actually legitimately is this thing called peace that can be in our life. And we're going to dive into that, but before we do, I I want us to bow our heads. I'm going to ask God to just speak to us this morning. So if you would just bow your head with me. God, we thank you so much for this morning. God, we thank you for the music. Wow. Thank you for the people that sing. Oh my goodness. What a... I can't imagine, God, what you, what you look down or you hear from heaven when you see your people gather together and sing praise to you. God, that's got to be amazing. God, even our best efforts, though, we know we're not, they're not good by your standards. So God, we ask you to come into this place, your Holy Spirit to come into this place, to work through these words, to, to work through the worship handout, to work through the words, God, to just impact our hearts and our minds, that we can wrap our minds, we can wrap our life around this, this peace that is a very good possibility, but we've got to know where to look. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, I, grew up, I grew up in church, okay? I, grew, I, was, I was at church when I was negative. Any, we have any people like that? I was at church when I was negative. My, it was, I was right here. And my mom, I was negative. I was a negative age attender of church. Okay, I've been in church my whole life, and, and I, I'm sure some of you know this song. I've got peace like river, I've got peace like river. Yeah? So maybe, maybe you sing, I've got peace like river. Or maybe it was electric, like, I've got peace like river. You know the song. I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river. Here's the deal. I, that song doesn't make any sense to me. I'll tell you why. 
Peace like a river doesn't make any sense to me because whenever I was 15 years old, we moved to Missouri. About an hour and 15 minutes north of St. Louis, on Route 79, there is a town. This is going to be confusing. You ready? I lived in Louisiana, Missouri on South Carolina Street by the Mississippi River. <laughs> they thought it would be a great idea when they, when they founded Louisiana. That other, it was, Obviously, it was before Hawaii and Alaska were added. But all 48 states are street names. It is the most possibly confusing land for the Postal Service in the history of mankind. But I, literally, I lived in Louisiana, Missouri on South Carolina Street by the Mississippi River. But I lived a half mile from there. Now, there are days, there are days like in the winter when the, when the, Mississippi, the Mississippi where I live was almost a half mile across. It's just this huge body of water. And then it was peaceful, and I'll tell you when it was peaceful. It was peaceful in December and January and February. Sometime during those months, the river would actually freeze. And the really cool thing about living in Louisiana, Missouri, when the, river, when the Mississippi River would freeze, is that there would be eagles. And there were eagles all over. It was such a beautiful sight. And I remember being out there, and it was just, just really, really cold like this, but maybe no wind. And you just watch these beautiful, huge, majestic eagles come down. And they'd rest on the ice, and they'd fly up and down. And they'd have these nests that are as big as the bed of my pickup truck. And, I mean, they carry, like, logs to the tree to make a nest. And that was peaceful. But I don't understand peace like a river because of this. When the ice would start to break up, or we get a really, really nasty, cold, rainy March storm, that Mississippi River was anything but peaceful. See, we're told about in Psalms, in Psalms 23, God says this. He said, I will make you walk beside what? Still water. Oh, wow. Ah. You know that pond that you go to? If you fish, you have that favorite pond, or maybe, maybe you just have a bench by the pond, you like to go down there, you like to just sit in those summer evenings. You hear the cicadas, and they buzz, and sometimes they can be annoying, but it's just the sound of summer. And we think, oh, that's peace. But some of us want to rewrite that song. Now, I just did a little bit of rewriting to the Peace Like a River song, so please don't, please don't make me... You know, don't make me out to be the bad guy. I'm doing this for a purpose. Instead of peace like a river, peace like a river, peace like a river in my soul. People someday today, maybe even you, maybe even me, maybe some people outside want to sing this version of the song. I've got peace like a river. No, we just change it. I've got peace sitting beside the ocean in my beach chair listening to the waves crash against the shore and then my problems will all go away. Okay, there's, no, there's not really a meter or time with that. If you're a music person, there's not a, there's not a good balance of how to get that all in there. But so we, we think about this. We think that there's a, there's a physical place that we can go to that peace will just happen. We physically do. I'll, I'll show you. If I go home and have a, have a conversation with my wife, I say, Mary, listen, I've had a big week. I've had a stressful week. If you just let me go hunting and sit in my deer stand, I'll be fine. Okay. When you do hobbies, they take up our time. Then when you come home, there's nothing wrong with hunting. We're going to talk about hunting in a little bit. But my priorities at that moment are not correct. Okay, there's time for things that you prioritize. You're going to to have time to do what you want to do. But some of us think, the only thing that I need is I need a week-long vacation to sit in my beach chair and listen to the ocean waves, and that's all that's going to bring me peace, and that's it. Listen, if you continuously put efforts into just going on that vacation, just getting away, just going hunting, just getting out of the house, just doing this this and this and this and this and this and this and this, you're going to get it, you're going to grab it, 
I have experienced, maybe it's not you, maybe it's just me, but when I come back from vacation, sometimes it's good to go back to work so I can rest. You agree with that? Sometimes we, we get worked up so hard. Mary and I, we're going to we're gonna go to Rin Lake, camp with our daughters, and it's going to be relaxing. My daughters are six and three. <laughs> you get this. The people that are laughing have children, so they wanna go, we want to go fishing. Okay. It's been a long time since I was a little kid like that. So when I'm not getting the line out of the tree or looking at Lydia and she's contently watching her bobber, but the bobber is completely on the rocks and nowhere near water, <laughs> I think this is the least peaceful place I could ever be. Why? Because I am just so, so my, my mind is so bent on I want them to catch fish, I want them to do this, I want them to be successful so they can have fun, so they can enjoy this like me. But all I'm really doing is saying, man, Lydia and Emma, like, Dad, you're acting really weird. And I'm all just trying to, I'm all up and up and up. And we think that this peace can just something, we think about this. Some of us think that, that if we could just get to the peaceful evening in the summer when we sit on our porch. And I love that. I do. I love, I love summertime. Some of you thinking about, think about sitting in a tree or a duck blind. Maybe sitting by your favorite chair, your favorite lamp, and your favorite candle, and you're reading your favorite book. For some of us, that peaceful, peaceful, peaceful time that we can only find in the morning. When your sensory organs go off and they connect to your brain and you smell that coffee that's percolating and brewing. And you sit down with your well-thumbed Bible and you open it up to read again a story that you may have read a hundred times. But God's Word is so good that the hundred and first time you learn something that you didn't learn the first time. Some of us find our peace that way. There are many definitions of peace. Everybody can identify peace differently. Some of you think, I want to go lay on a raft in the middle of Rin Lake. I say, eh, that'd be a cool vacation for you sometimes. Uh, I want to go jump out of an airplane and go skydiving. Some of you think that's completely ludicrous and weird. Okay, we, di- we define it differently. But here's the deal. We think that in our everyday life with the hustle and bustle and the things that we put prioritize, we prioritize, we prioritize, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. It's very hard for us to say no. So in our mind, we say it long enough, we start to believe it, and here's the problem. We think that peace cannot possibly exist. Peace is something that just doesn't, it's not there. It's not there. It doesn't exist. I can't have it. I don't have the finances to go to Disney World, but if I could just go to Disney World, I'd be happy. No, you won't. Because you're going to go to Disney World, you're going to spend a week, you're going to come home, and you're going to need to go to work to rest. I'm just telling you. I haven't been there. I talked to people that did. That's what they told me. I'm getting some head nods. So people, all right, my people. If you have your worship handout, flip it open to the middle. We're going to check out one of these. It's going to be on the, it's going to be on the screen. If you fill it in, and, and you can follow along with our, with our message today. But if you want to have peace, here's the first thing. You must first learn and understand who Jesus is. Why? Why why, Time out. Why do we start here? There is no other beginning in the history of this world, this planet, this universe. There is no other beginning that will continue to prosper unless you put this first. That's it. If you want peace, you have to have a cornerstone built in peace. You have to understand who initiated peace, who gave peace. Who existed to bring peace? 
If you look at Jesus' life, there are many times that we can look in it. Look at his life that are not peaceful. He's hustled and he's bustled and he's, he's never left alone. These gigantic crowds follow him. And we think, man, Jesus, how did you ever, how did you ever have peace? You know what he did? What? Watch this. You can read also right after those big times that he had with all these people, he prioritized his time. You know what he did? He got alone and talked to his dad. He got alone and talked to his dad because he knew that he needed that peace. And in the New Testament, it's called the peace beyond our understanding. Listen, our brains, even the most intelligent people on this planet, our people, our brains, we cannot grasp the idea and, or think the ways that God thinks. God even says, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. I can give you, Matt. He talks to me all the time. He talks to you. He says, I can give you peace beyond anything that you can understand. If the death of a loved one, somebody's really close to you, you know, my grandparents, I got to know them until I was 21 years old. I was extremely blessed. I knew all but two of my great-grandparents. Extremely blessed. But I grew up going to Kentucky Lake every summer with my grandparents. And it was such a peaceful time. I can remember just, wow, it was so fun to go there with them. When I was 26, 27, 28, I lost my grandma with the pancreatic cancer. Six weeks later, I lost my grandpa. God, you hit me with this bombshell. Now I have two bombshells within six weeks. How in the world? And he began to speak to me because I, I trusted him. I said, God, just show me. Please show me. And he said this. He said, man, I can give you peace beyond what you can understand. And that peace began to resonate through scripture that I would read, through people that would encourage me. And the things that would go through my mind is this. It's not a goodbye. I didn't say goodbye to my grandparents. Not, one, not either one of them. I said, see you later. See There is no other religion in the history of this world that can give you the guarantees that this book can. And all we want to do, see, we look in all the wrong places, don't we? If I could just win that lottery ticket and hit a million dollars, I'll be happy. This is a rap song, okay? More money, more problems. True statement. Unless you prioritize. If I can just go to Disney World, I'll be happy. No, you're never content. Never content, never content. I want to go to Disney World really bad. But even if I went to Disney World and I had such a good time, don't you think you might want to go back again? It's just this. One more. One more. God says with me, there is no one more. So the very first thing you must learn to understand is who Jesus is. I posted on Facebook today. If you're my friend, go ahead and put that up there. If you, if you saw my Facebook post this morning, and some of you are very grateful, and you, you put up with my nonsense on Facebook, and, and sometimes I, we make jokes, and we have fun, and, and somebody even yesterday said, I love me and my, past, or my pastor rocks or something, and I appreciate that. Face, see, Facebook's not all evil. Facebook sometimes really helps me to communicate with people. It helps build people up. But I, I put this on, the, on, the, on my Facebook post. I said this, K-N-O-W. No God, some of you heard this, no God, K-N-O-W, no God, understand God, no peace, understand peace, understand what it is. But if you have no God, N-O God, there is N-O peace, no peace. So to know God is to know peace, but if you don't have God, 
there, there can be no peace. Listen, because this, our minds and our bodies and everything in us always says, I want to get one more, I want to get one more, I want to get one more, I want to go one more, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more. Mary and I have visited Las Vegas. It's everywhere. I watched a guy win $17,000 on one roll at the craft table at Caesar's Palace. You know what he did the next time? Let it ride. I'm just going, dude. <laughs> what did he want? He wanted one more. Do you understand that? Wanted one more. 17,000 is okay, but if I could flip that to 34, man, I'd be real happy. Listen. Understand God, understand what peace is. No God, no peace. Today we're going to be looking at Colossians. While you flip there, we're going to be in chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. But Paul writes in Colossians. Now, I know this is, this is, this is hard, but I'm going to teach you something. Okay? Paul wrote to a church in Colossus. And the people were called Colossians. That's how we get the name. Okay? It's, it, we think that these, sometimes we have, we have trouble. Why is this called this? Why is this called this? Listen, if you don't understand, that's okay. Sometimes our Bibles have them in the front. Why it's called that? But Paul writes to a church in Colossus. To the Colossians, and that's how it's got its name. But he's writing to people who need encouragement, and they need to understand the peace that they can have. Have you ever needed encouragement? You ever needed to understand that it would be okay, even when it seemed it wouldn't be okay? You ever had that? Do you need encouraging? Do you need peace? Some of you are thinking right now, I literally woke up, decided to come to Connection, didn't really understand why, just knew I wanted to come to church today, and God is using this message right now, and you're going, holy cow, this has been an issue for a month, a week, 10 years, 15 years, 25 years, I don't understand this. God wants to talk to you today. Understand God and know peace. Look at the, if you, if you don't have your, if your Bibles, you can look at the screen, but if you have your Bibles, it's going to be in the, uh, the first chapter, in the 15th verse, I'm going to be reading out the New Living Translation Bible. It's going to give us a little bit different way of thinking. It's just really easy to understand. So in verse 15, Paul writes this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Now, Jesus, this is after Jesus has already gone back to heaven to be with the Father. So Paul is writing, and he says, Christ, you guys, you have to remember. See, it's a group of us, literally. A group of us 2,000 years ago, we were, and we were huddled here on, on the Sabbath. We would have met on a Saturday, and we were all here, and we get this letter from Paul, and he says this, guys, I want you to remember the visible image of God. It was him. It was Jesus. you remember him? Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Or my grandpa talked about seeing that guy. Now watch this. Jesus came to this earth because he was the, vis- the visible representation of God the Father in heaven to us. We could see that he existed. We could see the power that he had. These people got to see. Oftentimes we think this. I can't have peace because I can't see where even God is in this situation. Ever said that? I can't even see God. Listen, you can talk to me about this all day, and and this is what I'll tell you. I've never had breakfast with Jesus or God. I've never had lunch with Jesus or God. Jesus and God have never came over for a fondue at my house, and they've never been there for Christmas. Physically, I've never seen them. But sometimes it's so easy with our, with our brains and the way we think is we say this, I can't see him, he's not there. I can't see him, he's not there. God, if you could see exactly what I'm going through right now, you would understand that I need your help. Would you just come and be with me? Listen, I'm going to give you a little bit of analogy today that's a little bit different from Scripture. Everybody in here has probably either eaten at Wendy's restaurant or you've seen their sign and their logo. 
of Wendy, Dave Thomas's daughter. They named the restaurant after. I'm going to tell you something that you see every day without seeing it. God just blew my mind with this this week. I was looking on images, and if you've seen Facebook, please don't ruin this, ruin this analogy. But there's something in Wendy's picture that you don't know is there. Dave Thomas named Wendy's after his daughter. But his hugest, biggest influence in his life was his mom. And if you look on Wendy's face, or on her collar right here, it spells mom. How about this? Some of you know this. Some of you had, some of you see him. We, somebody in this church sees him every day. FedEx trucks. And I know what you're thinking. I know what he's going to say. There's an arrow. There is. Where the X comes in, that's the arrow point. Now watch this. For you smarty pants that aren't new about the arrow, there's something else. If you look in the E, there's a spoon. You see these things every day and you're just completely oblivious to them being there. It's the same way. We want to, th- we want to say this. Now you're thinking, man, Matt's doing FedEx and Wendy's to the comparison of God. There's not any difference. Many of you have no... Some of you right now, right now are trying to Google that on your phone and quit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't see anybody for real, but anyway. Some of you are going to go home, the, the, you know, the... I keep thinking about it in school. You know, the bell's going to ring in class and, and whew, Google. Some of you are going to go eat at Wendy's completely on purpose today. No, they didn't pay me to say that. But you're going to go by that sign and go, oh, wow. There's an M, an O, and another M. It's with thread on her. It's, it's unbelievable. But you've seen that sign a hundred, a thousand times, and you never realize it was there. The same thing was God. We come through these situations and we say this, God, you're not there because I can't see you. Oh, my child, I've never left you. Think about that. God has never, ever, even, even if you didn't want Him there, He didn't leave you. Why? Because it's a promise that I'll never leave you or forsake you. You're special. And these people needed this encouragement. Christ was the visible image of the invisible God. Just because we don't see God doesn't mean He's not there. He goes on in verse 16. Or in verse 15, I'm sorry. He existed before anything was created and is surrounded, or I'm sorry, is, is supreme over all creation. Supreme! It's not just a pizza. I'm glad some of you are awake. <laughs> supreme! Listen, supreme is on top. You get a supreme pizza, it's got everything on it, right? Supreme being above everything. I've talked to you about this several times, but in no other world religion do you see this, let alone heaven. But God, who created heaven, where literally we are wearing, currently, people that are married, if you wear a wedding band, in heaven it would be pavement, and it's perfect. But even in Scripture, God's God's throne is elevated above perfection. See, I'm going to explain all this stuff because you've got to understand how big He is. He's everywhere, all the time. He loves you 100% of the time, 100% all the way. All the time. Every day. Even if you have those days. Let me tell you how big God is. It's one of the most amazing things that has ever happened to me in my entire life. It happened on Monday. We didn't have school. That's not the reason. I was goose hunting. If you're a science fan or a biology fan or you like animals and and the National Geographic channel, this is going to blow your mind. But I guarantee you mine is way more blown than yours. 
I was goose hunting, a snow goose season. I shot a, I shot a white snow goose. This one was different. I'm talking about a supreme being. Now watch this. I'm talking about a supreme being. I picked up the snow goose. I noticed it had a different color on its back. It had a radio transmitter on its back that was tagged in the Arctic Circle. You want to talk about odds? Watch this. God, God is this cool. He goes, I know you're going to talk about me being supreme. I just want to show you something really cool so you can talk to your people about it. I have it with me. Later on, you can see it if it was like show and tell today. It's that big of a deal. Here's the deal. You want to talk about astronomical odds. You ready? They put them on in August of 2014. You ready for this? There's only 20 on snow geese in the world. Just because God's supreme. <laughs> Some of you thinking, man, that's just, that's just rare random. Yeah, it is. Or it could be God just that big. And she was leg banded, which for a waterfowl hunter is crazy, is awesome. And she had this radio transmitter. Listen, I've been talking to the federal government with the, char- with the person in charge of the science and technology per- department of the country of Canada. She was banded in the Arctic Circle, almost 3,800 miles from here. And she likes big towns, so she came to Bell Rive, where I shot her. <laughs> I didn't know she had it on there. Now listen. Listen to this. Here's, here's my thing. He, God existed. The last part of verse 15. God existed before anything and He was created supreme above all nature. Now watch this. Stella. My, my girls have already named the goose Stella. They name all the animals in our house. Stella the snow goose. Traveled from over 3,500 miles to come down here. Now, here's the deal. Since God spoke those birds into being, they've been doing this. Think about this. They've been doing this. They've been coming south. They've been doing their thing. And they migrate north. And they reproduce. And they make more. And they make more. And they make more. Just as of, you know, the last couple hundred years, us humans have said, oh, let's track them. We don't know what they do. They're still on autopilot. I talked to a guy that was deer hunting this last spring, and he said, or this last fall, and he said this. He said, I kept seeing these squirrels go to this creek and it was getting really cold and they splashed around. I thought they were getting a drink, but they were like playing. You know what they were doing? They were keeping the water open so it wouldn't freeze so they could have something to drink. Do you see how completely, completely amazing and intricate our God is? Yeah, it could have been absolute random chance. A lady told me, I don't play, but she told me I had more of an odds of walking into the gas station winning my state lottery three days in a row than to shoot that goose. Astronaut, there's 20 in the world. In the world. I was the first one to ever be called in from a hunter. Number one. That's not a brag on me. Listen, I think this is cool. I've got, to talk to, I've got to talk to guys in South Dakota and Maryland and West Virginia and Missouri. Watch this. About how much more important we are than a snow goose. It's incredible. God has just opened all these doors all because of what? Because he can. He's like, watch this. I'm going to use a goose. Watch this. I'm going to use, if you like to quilt, watch this, I can use a quilt. Watch this, I can watch, I can use you coming out here and putting salt and, and doing this to make other people understand who I am. But Matt, you, he's talking to me here. He says, you got to understand that I'm supreme. I've got everything that I need. And you need what I have. If God is big enough to bring Himself glory from a goose... Do you have any comprehension of what he wants to do with you and I? Listen, you're more important than a goose. Shocker. 
You're intricately woven and you've been breathed with life into your body when you were in your mother's womb. Listen to me. You were not spoken. That goose was spoken. It's a thing. God just then. But us, He created. So if He created us, He knows how we work. He knows our molecular structure. He knows what we need, when we need a hug, when we need this. Do you not think that if a God that I serve can send a goose 3,800 miles, 3,500 miles, whatever it is, it's over 3,000, just because I was preaching a sermon about him being supreme, that he doesn't have these huge plans for you and he doesn't know, and you think that he doesn't know that you need peace? He says, guys, I've been here. No, you can't see me. But the next time that you see the Wendy's logo, just remember that I'm there. The next time you see the arrow in the FedEx truck. Once you notice the arrow, you will never not see it. You've never seen it, then all of a sudden you know it's there and poof, whoa, the arrow. I've missed all of these. Number, verse 16. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Everything on this earth can bring God glory. Everything. We have to understand who he is. All we want to do is we want to go to the God vending machine and say, peace, appreciate it, thanks. God is not a genie. God is not a genie. He does not live in a lamp. My God does not live in a lamp. He is not confined to a space. He accomplished that on the cross and it is done. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. In the Old Testament, we see His his presence confined into the Holy of Holies. And when Jesus said, I died, it's finished. The curtain in the temple completely ripped from from the ceiling to the floor. So God's presence was just unleashed on the world. God is everywhere. But we must realize that God brings peace in all circumstances. Oh, Oh, it's easy to see God's peace in the good times, isn't it? Peace in the hard times. When you feel alone. When you feel desperate. When you lost a loved one. All the time, but you must, you must do this. You have to choose. It's a whole, it goes back to the whole question we talked about a couple weeks ago. You can get better or you can get bitter. Bitter or better? Which one do you want to be? You want to, you want to be right or do you want to have a relationship? Some of that is like a fly swatter to our face this morning. Do you want, you, you've had a conversation with somebody this week. Would you rather be right or would you rather have a relationship? Would you rather trust God that He can take care of it and befriend that person and love them and have peace? Or would you rather sit at home, worry, have guilt, have shame? I don't know what they think about me. I don't know what they think about me. I don't know what they think about me. And we go over and over and over. It almost makes us sick. God says, I don't design you to have that. I design you to have peace in all things. Look at Colossians 1.17. God, He existed before anything else and He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church in verses 18, which is His body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So He is first in everything. Number one problem. If you don't have peace, check your priorities. Here's how you judge your priorities. If you, what do you make time to do? Listen, I'm going to be first in line. Mary, Mary can tell you this. First two years of our marriage, they weren't a whole lot of fun. Because I was an egotistical jerk. Me. I'll stand in line. Every single moment that I had, though I was not working, that I did not have something to do with church, I was in the woods. Every single second that it was deer season, I was hunting. 
If you want proof of that, come to my house. You know what? Now I look at those, I look at those, I look at those deer and I'm like, hmm. None of those deer mean as much as the other night when I sat, after we put the girls to bed and I sat beside my wife at our kitchen table and I put a tablecloth on the table and I got a deck of cards and we played rummy. That was peace. That's peace. Shooting a big deer. Oh yeah, woo! That's awesome. It's a thing. It's a thing. I'd rather have a game of rummy than the biggest grizzly bear in the world. But that's something that I would like too. But she's priority over that. And God has to be priority over her. One of the coolest things she ever told me was this. Man, I love you second. Coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. Man, I love you second. And I had to get past myself to understand that God could bring these things. When we choose peace, it doesn't mean that sorrow is not going to come. I've checked. I've talked to you about this. I've checked the whole Bible. The whole thing. I've checked for loopholes. Because you know what? When I, when I ran away from God, I wanted to find a loophole because I could say, ooh, there's a loophole. If that one thing's false, then the whole thing's false, and I do not have to do what it says. I checked for them. Every single time I couldn't finish the thing. There's no holes. There's no holes. So I said, God, I just want to trust you. So I, so I began, when I, re, I started returning kind of returning to church. When I stopped running and I started turning around and coming back, I started reading the book of John. Look at, look at the worship handout or you see it on the screen. John 1.1. 1, 1. This is when I understood again how big my God is. Look at this. In the beginning, the Word already existed. <laughs> I know you parents who have kids that have gotten to this age. Emma's six. She already asked this question. She said this. Dad, <laughs> you're talking about being humbled by a six-year-old. Watch this. Dad, who's God's mom? Uh, okay, who's his dad? Uh, well, God's always existed. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. The greatest thinkers in this history of the world in theology and study of the Bible cannot answer this question. There's not a mathematical formula that proves when it started because it didn't start. He's always existed. I don't know. It's tough. Six years old. Man. How do you think of this stuff? But I, I began reading this verse. It says, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. The, the, the Word, Word here. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always existed as a triune Godhead. Otherwise known mostly in theological thinkings as a trinity. But it's more like they're equal, they're equal power. Like a, like a head. Like a, a three-headed He existed first. Check out your worship handout. He existed first. And he must be put first in your life to experience true peace. Listen, here's the, here's the deal. When I, wanted, when I wanted peace, I wanted this. Mary, just let me go hunt. I'll, be, I'll feel better and I'll talk to you better when I come home. No, I wouldn't. Because when I came home, I was tired from doing my hobby. Then I didn't want to have a relationship with her. Then it, it turned over and rolled to my girls. And I was up with my girls. And I'll, all I would say to my girls was, if you would just do what I asked you to do, notice what happened. Heaven forbid it could have been me. 
Heaven forbid it could have been you. God existed first, but He must be put first. You know how this works because you've tried it. You've tried. Ah, oh, God, I got this. I'm going to do what I want first. Uh-huh. And then we'll do your thing. And then we'll do your thing. You've made offers to God. You've bartered with God. God, if you do this, you get pulled over by the cops. I know we don't have anybody that's ever done that. You get pulled over by the cops. God, if you just let me have this ticket, I promise I'll give my tithe on Sunday. I'll witness to my neighbor. All this stuff. We just play these games. When, if we put God first in priority, God says this, obey the laws of the land. It's in the book. It's in the Bible. Obey the laws. You broke the law, Matt. Yes, I've had a speeding ticket. You, you, you disobey the, the law, you deserve a consequence. Well, I don't like that. You don't like that. But he says this. He said, if you would have put me first in the first place, you would have been going to speed limit, not got pulled over, or a chance of a ticket. Does it ever bother you how right God always is? Are you one of those people that like to be right? Don't argue with God. <laughs> it's not going to win. You're not going to win. I tried. Colossians 1.19, look at this. For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Now, I want you to see this. This morning, if you feel lonely, if you need encouragement, if you feel like you just can't, your life does not have any peace, I want you to understand this right now. God was pleased to give everything so that you could attain peace. Listen, I love you. I love you very, very much. But if it meant that I was going to have to sacrifice one of my daughters so that you could live, you're not in a good spot. And I'm not in a good spot if it costs you your children. Here's the deal. God says this. I, look, in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. God said this. I love you. Sarah. And Brendan. And Jema. I love you so much. I'm going to send my son to die for you. And when he dies for you, it's going to be forgiveness for all sins. And now watch this. God said, it pleases me, although it's going to hurt. I know that after this is all over, that you guys, all of us, say, God, I need that peace that Jesus, Jesus gave us. And you know what? It's a crazy thing about prayer. When we ask for it, you know what he does? He answers prayer. Okay, your prayer for your Ferrari may not happen. It's things that we need. It's things that we need. God was pleased to break a perfect relationship so that Jesus may die for us. Why? So that we can have peace of knowing Him. Can you remember, if you, if you became a follower of Christ a little bit later in life and you can remember, or maybe you became a follower of Christ at a very young age or a younger age, and then you, know, you kind of experienced life, do you remember how lost, how confused, how crazy everything seemed? You remember that? You didn't have it all together. You didn't even understand that there was a definition of the word peace. I've been there. But it says this, look at verse 20. He goes on. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. There are a couple things. We accept people at connection for who they are, where they are. We love them where they are. Jesus did. Jesus loves us where we are right now, but He loves us too much to leave us there. We don't condone sinful behavior. But here's the deal. We will never argue against the fact that Jesus was a real man 
that he died on the cross, and three days later, God raised him from the dead. That's concrete here. That is absolute foundation of in everything that we do. Everything that we do, I hope it points directly to that. You want peace? Guess where it comes from? Yep. Forgiveness. Asking God, putting Him first. Why? Because He so first loved us. The world was broken. But God said this, I've got the tool. If you're a mechanic, and it needs a 15 millimeter socket, and the only thing you have is a 13 and a 17, does it work to use a 13 or a 17 if you need a 15? No. That's the answer. And I'm not a mechanic. God says this, I have the universal tool. I can solve every single situation in the world with one tool. Your peace? You need encouragement? You're tired? You're weary? You don't feel like you can go on? You don't think you have purpose? Watch this. The answer is my son. By means of Christ's blood on the cross. He goes on in verse 21. This includes you who are far once away from God. Hey, look, he wrote a verse about us. He's not even writing to us, is he? He's writing to a church in his letter. Do you see how timeless this is? My name should probably go in the first, in the first sentence. I don't know about you. Maybe you're awesome. But this includes you who are once far away from God. You are his enemies. Who's writing this? This guy used to be the enemy of God. Saul. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. He was in the Bible. He was at the first killing of a Christian. The first martyr was Stephen. It said, Saul was there. Saul was there. Saul was there. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Paul goes on later to say, this was me. And God had brought this peace. There's nothing that you can do to separate you. Even if you don't love God or choose not to follow God. Watch this. I know you don't want to hear this. You ever get in a fight with your mom or dad? And you don't want to say it. And you get upset. And they did something that was completely unfair, which you realize now was completely fair because you did something wrong. And they said, I love you. I'm not going to say it. 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 We too. <laughs> Ever been there? Love you too. Love you too. We think at that moment that our parents are just absolutely 1,000% against us and whatever we were trying to do. You know what? Sometimes that's probably a good thing. But here's the deal. God says this. Even if you choose to not love me, I love you. 100% of the time, 100% all the way. Even if you choose to not love me, God says, I love you. That's above, that's above our thinking. That's agape. That's unbelievable love. God is waiting on you to choose him. And he's waiting to use for you to choose peace. Look at your next blank in your worship handout. God is waiting on you to turn back to Him. He's waiting. Now, Matt, I thought you were talking about peace. The whole thing is, you have to understand who God is, you have to know who God is, and you have to understand that there, are, there is someone, something. Some of us can say, Matt, you know what? You talk a lot about your parents. I didn't have a house like that. I didn't grow up like that. Listen, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I, I am. I'm sorry. It, for those of us that grew up in a household like this, my Mike Davis told me this. He said, Matt, he said, you should go home, you should fall on your knees, and you should thank God for giving you parents like that that spank your butt. And he said, the next time you see him, you should hug him. And the next time you see him, you should hug him and you should tell him that you love him. 
And some of you think, you know, my childhood was so not what you're talking about because you're talking about a father who has his arms out and the last thing I want to do is run to my dad. Let me tell you something. God is the ultimate, supreme, loving father. He's waiting. He's standing there going, I love you. I just want you to choose me. I can bring you everything that you need. I can give you all the peace you need, but you've got to choose me. Look at verses 22 and 23. He says, yet now he has been reconciled to you, to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Time out. He had just talked about being an enemy, but he says this, when he reconciles us, when he reconciles us, when he says, when that day, August 13th, 1987, when Matt Griswold understood that he was a sinner, and God said this, Matt, I hear you. I can, I can only imagine that conversation or what God was feeling when, when I prayed that prayer, when you asked God to come into your life. And I, I sat there and I said, I said, God, I know that I messed up and I'm a sinner. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You know what God said at that moment? Look at the last part of this verse. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Let me tell you, I didn't do anything. I've never done anything. I've never thought about doing anything that could make me qualified to receive that. You can't either. You have to choose. And that's where the world says, that's too easy. That's your get out of jail free card. No, nah, that's too easy. Look at verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from assurance that you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. You know what? You can translate this. You could take Paul's name out of it. You could put your own in there. Don't drift away. Listen, the good news has been preached all over the world, and I, whatever your name is, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. You know what those servants did this morning? Watch this. Those servants walked out to individuals at their car, and they offered their arm, and they walked them in. Those servants showed up at before 7 a.m. and put salt on the sidewalk that you walked on so you wouldn't slip. Those servants chipped the ice away from the front that you could walk up and have good footing to get in here to a safe, warm place that smells like popcorn and coffee. There are people that cooked the popcorn and brewed the coffee and swept the stage and cleaned the chairs. Listen, we've been appointed to be God's servant because this. We, our life is to show other people, hey, you know what? If you, if you know me very, very well, you understand that there was a time in my life that I didn't want anything to do with it. Nothing to do with God, nothing to do with the Bible, nothing. And there came a point where I had to have this prodigal son moment. Get my life and priorities back straight. And I had to look at this woman who I love with every single ounce of my being and say, I love you second. I can't love you first and everything's going to be fine. I have to love you second. Have to. Have to. And when we, we ourselves, we try to make that peace. Watch. Mary saved up such and such money. We're going to go to Disney World. We're going to have fun. That gummit. We're going to go. I saved enough money for we're going to stay 10 days at Rin Lake. If it's all about me and it's all about stuff, it's all about this. Look at your worship handout, the next one. The peace that only God can give is the peace that will last. Your peace won't last. Listen, man can't, can't make anything. There's going to be some people that say, oh, it'll take like a billion years for this to disintegrate that we can make. Okay, here's the deal. God's existed before 
forever ago and he's going to exist until past forever in the future. So he wins. And what he makes, what he created in us will last. Think about that. Even if you were raised in church, raised with, around followers when you were little, understood what God said, and you went on your own little path. You know what? Sooner or later, wherever you were, I remember this, I'd be, I would lay in my, be, in my dorm room at night and I would just cry. God, I want to do what you want me to do, but I cannot stand up under all this pressure. I'm so far away from you, I've never been away from you like this. I cannot do it. You know what he said? I still love you where you are 100% of the time, all the time but I love you too much, Matt. You can't stay there. If you want to see what I can bring you in your life, you can't stay here. I must be a priority. Not baseball, not Mary, not your friends, not whatever. I have to be first. Then you'll get to experience the peace. Later on, I would experience a peace of a lady telling me, I do, when we got married. And she says, but I love you second. And it's the same lady that likes to sit across from the table when I put a tablecloth on after we put the girls to bed and play rummy, and she usually smokes me. She's like, I'm in. Okay. We don't play Yahtzee anymore on purpose. <laughs> but that's a peace. Listen, it's a peace. If you know, if you understand that peace, you, you know what I'm talking about. Look at John 14, 27. I'm leaving you with a gift. Look at this. How many people want to have the next five words? Peace of mind and heart. You know how much you could bottle that up and sell it for? The transmitter that Stella was wearing? My goose? This has something to do with it. Watch this. Four grand is what it's worth. Now some people say, oh, if I just get $4,000, man, I'd be happy. Listen, Jesus doesn't say, hey, check under your table, disciples, check under the table. You know, one of you is a lucky winner today. I gave you $5,000 and you win. He didn't do that. He gave him something that's priceless. Look, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Think about a dollar amount in your head. That you would literally pay daily. See, our, our, our community, our world is so, is so made up of monthly payments. How much would you pay a month to have 30 days, 31 days of having peace of mind and heart? I don't want to know that number because some of it's astronomical. Some of you are saying right now, I'd give anything. I'd give my truck, give my house, whatever. I just want peace. Listen, you don't have to give that. God says this here, here you go. And all we want to do is say, no, if I, no I'm going I'm to do it my way. I got this. Thanks. And the peace I give is a gift. The world, look, <laughs> cannot give. You can't give it to someone else, so don't be troubled or afraid. Oh, that's easy. You just say, oh, yeah. That's easy for them to say. Listen, this was written by a guy that died because of his faith. Don't be afraid or troubled. Don't be troubled. Chill out. Now, the circumstances in life happen to us sometimes. We think, holy cow, there is no other, there's no other reaction than to be troubled or afraid. Listen, God gave us emotions. That's okay. But he says, when you feel this way, you should know where to turn. Give, give it to me. Give, go ahead. Come on. 
You ever want to take, take away a, a hurt of your, of your kid when they fall down and scrape their knee? When they fall down and they hurt themselves or they get burned on something or they do something and you just wish that you could just touch them and just suck it out of them and you could have it? That's literally what our God does. He says, you give it to me and I'll give you something this world cannot give you. Not money, not drugs, not alcohol, not sex, nothing. I can give you something that this world cannot give. Don't be troubled. Don't be scared. Oh, it's easy for you to say, Matt. It's easy for you to say. Listen, I get scared. This morning, I opened a grape jelly jar for Mary. Emma takes one look at me. She goes, whoa. She looks at me. She goes, Dad, can you open anything? And I said, no. I can't open everything. But the little girl says, wow, you're like Superman. I'm a guy teaching a three-year-old and a six-year-old that it's okay to love mom and dad second because we can't give them peace in everything that they're going to experience in life. Sometimes only God can. And it's hard for some of us because we understand that as our children have gotten older, we understand that we can't give them everything. It's not healthy for them, number one. They have to learn to understand God is who He says He is. Don't be troubled and afraid. Choose to live a life that's God-honoring. Choose to live a life that can make a difference. Some of you have never been walked into church by someone other than your mate until this morning. That's awesome. That's what we do. We impact lives. We help where there's a need. We choose to live with peace under whatever situation comes at you in this life. Oh, oh, but that'd be too easy. We, too hard. We can't do that. Whatever comes into my way, There came a time in my life, Mary's life, we had a miscarriage with the first pregnancy that we ever had. We prayed a prayer. If you've seen Facing the Giants, I really, I really can't watch that movie very much. It's very, it's just really hard for me to watch. I love it, but it's very hard for me emotionally to watch it. And she prays a prayer in that, in that video that she comes out of the doctor's office when they don't think that they can have children. We prayed the same prayer, just different timing. Before I'd even seen the movie, we prayed this prayer. I said, God, if you... If it's not okay for us to have kids, okay, we'll praise you. If we can have kids, we'll praise you. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. You know what he did? I love you. And he hugged me. And he hugged her. And he hugged us together as we held each other. And we just kind of somehow spiritually we just grabbed each other and we just fell back into the arms of somebody that could hold us. God offers a peace beyond understanding. I don't understand. I can't calculate. I can't write down on a piece of paper the formula to create that piece because I don't know. God says, here, I already did it for you. I've got cases of this stuff. You want some? That's what he does. Put this where it hurts. And we're going to be able to send a person, two people maybe, out this week. And we're going to use the touch someone's life gift to bring peace to someone. Just a financial gift. If you have that offering, you have the offering? All right. I'm going to brag because I can. And there's also another little bragging thing out there. If you, if you go out the door and look, and look west on the, on the wall, there's, there's what we call the army this morning. The army of steel shovels. 
I have no idea how many is out there, but there's a lot. Some people gave of time this morning. We gave nickels and dimes and dollars, and we collected $297.85. You guys, you guys don't quit. I think it's this. I get asked a lot, how do you get your, how do, how do you get your people? I'm asked by other pastors, how do you get your people to help? They understand the gift that God has given them in their life, and the only thing they want to do is they want to give it away. They've been filled up, overflow is, no, 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 we want to help somebody else. We want to give to somebody else. So if I have Jan Bond and Trish Pasley come forward, I'll give these two ladies this. There's a piece of paper that gives you instructions. Hundred and forty eight something in each bag. Use hundred and forty eight bucks? Could you? Listen, they're gonna get to go out. I'm gonna pray for them. I'm gonna pray for all of us. Listen, this week, this week there's gonna be times that's gonna be easy. There's gonna be this this times in this week that are gonna be difficult to say, God, I want peace. I need that peace. And oftentimes the hard part comes with this. It's when we have to humble ourselves, realize we can't do it. And say, God, I need, I need some of that medicine. I need some of that stuff. I need, I, need, I need you. Bow with me in prayer, please. God, we thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the snow and for the ice on our parking lot. Because that allowed people that you have filled up with your love the opportunity to serve other people. Oh, it's easy to think negative. But God, I thank you for that. Thank you for the salt dissolving on the, on the sidewalks. I thank you for the men that helped the people into church this morning. I thank you for the people that cooked the food, gave the dollars, gave the nickels. God, I pray that those two bags go out. And God, they really they touch someone that need touched. Need to be shown that you can offer that peace. Need to be shown that you can offer that love. God, it is just amazing amazing to see you work. It is so unbelievable to see you transform lives of people in this church, in this community because of those people. God, we thank you. We thank you that you reign supreme, God. And even if we can't see you, you're there just like the arrow on the FedEx truck. You're there. We may not see you, God. We can't. We may just be blind to your presence, but God, let us realize this week that you're there. Through the calm and through the storm, you never let go. You never let go of me. God, allow us to be a light as soon as we walk out this door for you. Let us give it all away. In your name we pray. Amen.